So welcome to A Better Next Birth podcast. This morning, we are going to get to talk to Veronica Munoz. She is going to share with us her two birth stories and how the second birth was considerably better, I think she'll tell us, than the first. Welcome, Veronica. And I got to be your midwife. Yes, you were. And you will be my midwife always. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I actually, have I ever talked to you about that? I actually sometimes think that I agreed that I would forever be people's midwives in all lifetimes. Like I just, wow. I, I like that. And my kids midwives, hopefully as well. Oh. Yeah. <gasps> yes. Oh. My daughter's midwife. That'll be you. <laughs> oh, that's like, that's a, that's a favorite dream of mine. That's so beautiful. I know generations. Oh I saw you be born and now I get to bring your child to life too. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Hey, you gotta give, wait a few years, at least 20. Yes, please. So Veronica, talk to us about your birth with your first child. Um, And so walk us through that story. And then, um, you know, just basically tell us how you wound up with a better next birth. Yeah. So for my first kid, as everybody, uh, when they're first time moms, you want to do all the things. So they tell you to do a birth plan. I had a very detailed one. And uh, because, you know, I researched everything. And so for that, I brought it in when I was going to be induced. I had to be induced two days before I gave birth. And the reason was, well, before I was due, I mean, the reason for being induced was the gynecology saw that I could potentially get preeclampsia in the next few weeks. And so she was like, to avoid that, how about we just go and get you induced today and you can have your baby. <laughs> um, they give you any scientific reason why you were maybe going to get preeclampsia in the next few weeks. I was getting, I was gaining weight a lot. You know, nothing was really told to me throughout the whole pregnancy, what I could do to avoid getting so much, gaining so much weight or, or what I could eat or, or maybe a dietary plan to avoid gaining so much weight. And they said that my heart rate, my heart rate was racing, was a little higher than usual two days prior of me giving birth. I, I of course went with what the doctor said and I went straight to triage. They did some checks and they said, we have to induce. And of course I'm stressing. I'm like, I don't want anything to go wrong with my baby. I don't want anything to go wrong with me. I want to live through this. So it was more peer pressure to be induced, even though in the back of my head, I wanted to wait it out because I felt good. I didn't feel bad, but you have to follow, obviously, your doctor's uh, suggestions. So I just want to pause for one second. I don't usually interrupt people, but I'm not hearing that you were told any kind of scientific truth. I'm not hearing that they said your liver enzymes are high, your kidneys are, are faltering, that you've got protein in your urine, your blood pressure is skyrocketing. Like I'm not hearing any clinical evidence that you were developing preeclampsia. That now that you mentioned that I didn't hear any of that other than my blood pressure was higher that day than normal. And do you remember how much higher? I really can't. I think it was 130 something or 140. It was pretty high. I think is that considered high? Shouldn't it be 120 over 80? I mean, I, I would have to, I would have to see both numbers of the blood pressure. Like one, for example, like 140 over a hundred, I would also be concerned, but the answer is not an immediate induction. The answer is let's do, let's develop some more tests. Let's make sure that we know what's happening here before we would say, Oh my God, you need to go have this baby right now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But okay. nothing else. It was just that one checkup and I was going every week then. Right. Uh, nothing was told to me to prevent getting high blood pressure or lower or, or avoid getting gaining so much weight. I gained a lot with my first kid. I just food that was for me. Anything. I, I really didn't know how to stop. Um, and I really liked sweets at the time some reason with each pregnancy you crave different things yeah and also I'm sure you're going to tell us about your nutritional shift that you made Um, yes yes which was huge for you but I'll just say for those listening who don't know this 
Generally speaking, yes, the placenta does increase our craving for sugar, but really what it's craving is energy. So Mm -hmm. if you are craving sugar in your pregnancy, you probably need either more water or yeah, more protein. Exactly. I know. And I wasn't at the time I didn't know I I was uh, during my first pregnancy, I was a vegetarian and I had been vegetarian for years. So for me, that meant all the cheese I could eat and all the bread I could have too and desserts. It didn't really, it wasn't a very balanced diet. I can't lie, but I did switch it later on and I can tell you what, what happened then. So I got to triage and they did all the tests, which aren't really about my liver or anything like that. It was just like they were checking contractions and I did have some already like building up, not strong ones. They could, they could monitor. And I, and I saw in the little monitor that they were spiking here and there. I am not a doctor. I don't know what that meant, but they said that we have to get this done within the hour. This was like 3 p.m. And my ex-husband was my husband at the time. Obviously, he said we have to do it. And then, of course, the pressure there, like we have to get this done and whatever they're telling him. He projected onto me with a lot of worry. And I, of course, listened because you're a mother and you want everything to go well for your baby and yourself. So I accepted with a lot of consideration and my mom also researched the hospital it was at sharp mary birch so she said that's one of the best ones for emergency uh situations for mothers i was like okay let's go ahead and do it so what they did and i have notes because um (laughs) when i when i went to the hospital somehow i started writing all the notes by the hour like i don't know if you can see but it's called Gia's induction. It's backwards, but every hour or something. So exactly. around four, <laughs> I'm not going to go by the times, but I got Cytotec, a pill. It was introduced. Yeah, also, also called Miso, for those of you who don't know. Cytotec and Miso are the same thing. Okay. Yeah. So that didn't do much. So like three hours later, they gave me a stronger dose. It was a 50 milliliters. The first time was 25 mil pill and then the second pill they introduced was 50 mil three hours later and then I had a bunch of contractions but they weren't painful about an hour later that they introduced that more strong the stronger pill uh the baby's heart stopped for a second and of course everybody freaked out so they gave me oxygen they changed my position several times and and that went on for a few hours uh, later on that night, I felt that my water broke. I was like, those, it just the sound, I felt it. I knew that's what it was. My water broke. I told the nurse, she didn't believe me because she didn't see signs of water breakage, like the water dripping, but we had a, they had put up like a pad, you know, those doggy mats for dogs when they go, okay, okay. They, they put that under me and I'm pretty sure it's, it was all soaked in there, but for some reason they didn't believe that my water had broken. I remember having this conversation and my contractions up to this point weren't horrible, but they, they came every minute. They were nonstop. Uh, yeah, this was like almost at midnight. Every single minute I had the longest contractions. Like I couldn't catch a breath. As soon as I finished it, the contraction I had like a few seconds to take a deep breath, move around, and then another one came and I was constantly shaking. So my partner was freaking out. He talked to the nurse and her saw that I was also like in constant pain. So they suggested to get an epidural. And in my birth plan, I had said like, I avoid that at all costs. I don't want to do that. I was always in the mindset that I wanted a natural birth, like feel everything. As weird as it sounds. Yes, I wanted to feel it all. And so the nurse comes back and tells him that we need to do something because I might pass out from the amount of pain I was going through. So I said, absolutely no epidural. So they suggested fentanyl. And I had no idea what that was at the time. I was like, yes, okay, as long as it's not an epidural, let's go. So that 
least I can be okay until the baby's born. They gave me fentanyl. I remember feeling amazing, but the contractions were still incredibly painful. Like they did not go away. The few seconds that you're not in contraction, you feel great. You forget about it. But then the contraction starts and it's like the pain never really went away. After that, they came back and they said, we have to do something because in 10 minutes, the anesthesiologist is going to go in surgery and we're not going to have him for a few hours. So it's now or never. <laughs> so they gave me an ultimatum for my epidural. So like, all right, let's do it. And we did it. We got the epidural. My body wasn't handling. It just couldn't handle such frequent contractions. I'll tell you after on my second birth why. <laughs> you can handle them. It's just, this was an induction. It's totally different. So a little bit later after the epidural, I was able to take a nap and then I didn't feel the contractions. I felt nothing. I was like, all right, I'm not having a baby. They felt like there was a lot of fluid coming out of my uterus. So they introduced a tube in me to add liquid in my uterus again to avoid the baby's heart rate to drop. Is it but then that means your water had broken earlier. Exactly. It had broken. <laughs> I know it did. And they didn't believe me. I was then they're like, that's kind of a lot of stuff coming out of you. We better put it back in. Right. I know. <laughs> it was so strange. Because this was like my water broke at 11 50 p.m. and this is 4 30 in the morning. And they had to stop pumping liquid in my uterus, which I never heard of that, but I guess it's standard operating procedure because at that point they removed my con belly contraction monitor and they just started pumping fluid and moving me from side to side. And I never stopped getting oxygen. That was like all the way till the end. I, had I was going to ask you, how was Guillet's heart rate doing this whole time? It was low. It wasn't very like normal. It was constantly low. So they made me move to shift him. Then I was about to give birth. I was so ready. I was right there. And then the nurse comes in and she sees the head. Mike's husband, he called her actually to come in because she wasn't around. <laughs> he called her and she's like, wait, don't push. I know the baby's right there, but I have to go get the doctor. So went to get the doctor. I'm there. Like, I know my body's like doing this at this point. It's coming out. I'm not in pain. I'm not feeling like a horrible urge to push because I'm all drugged from my waist down or numbed. But then the doctor comes in and it's so quick. It's like, boom, boom, boom. A bunch of nurses came with him too. And he was like, all right, push. I pushed and it was quick. My baby came out really fast. I didn't push long. It was like three pushes. He came out and he asked me, oh, you want to wait for the cord to stop, to stop pulsating and I said yes but somehow that didn't last more than a minute because he was already telling my ex-husband like here cut it and then they gave me my baby they did give him to me right away but then they took him away like they gave him to me so I could like touch him and then they put him on a table with a couple people there and I'm just looking and he didn't ask me to put stitches on me but he I started feeling like pinches I'm like hey that hurts what are you doing oh I'm putting stitches uh, okay, can I press this button again? Because it hurts a lot. She's like, yeah, that's what it's for. So of course I got more of the epidural in. I forgot to say that during the time that I was in the process, like a couple hours before I gave birth, the nurse did come in at one point and started stretching my my vagina and started stretching it a lot so much that I got second degree tear I, wow. I was like why do you need to do that it's gonna come out Gia wasn't that big either and even if he was big it's gonna expand and go back but she did he would come out faster even so, though he came out with three pushes and his head was already showing yeah I know but she was still like I remember feeling pressure it wasn't painful but because I wasn't feeling it she just went with all her strength and broke me basically yeah I have the baby and they say he's fine. So they give him to me and they leave. And then I think it was a nurse, not a lactation consultant. She came over and she said, oh, let's see if you have milk. And she just, she didn't even ask. She just went straight to my nipple and pressed and was like, oh yeah, you have milk. You're good. Okay. Go and try and breastfeed. <laughs> okay. 
I tried. And then they all left and I was there with my ex-husband, family came, yada. Then they changed me to a different room because I couldn't walk. They just pushed me to another room and I was there. And every three to four hours for the next day that I was there, they would come in the room and take my baby from me and do tests on him, all kinds of tests, like for ears, for visions. They did all the tests they usually do in the hospitals for newborns. But I remember one of them was the hearing test. And they gave me pills constantly too, like 600 milligrams of ibuprofen. Every four hours, they would wake me up. I couldn't rest. I didn't sleep. It was, And then I asked, can you please have no visitors come in until I don't know what time. It didn't work. Like, of course, they're super busy. People still came in and visited me. So, yeah, we left. <laughs> Within a day, we left. It wasn't a good experience for me. I didn't like it. I had always had in my mind that I wanted a home birth because my great grandma was the midwife of the block. And I never met her because <laughs> she passed away. I think I was like four when she passed away, but I don't remember meeting her. And my grandma tell, told me stories that, yeah, she was the midwife of the block. She was also the milk mother of the block. Just knowing that I've always been more of like a naturalist person. I like everything more natural first. And if I can't fix it with home remedies, then yes, let's go to like Western medicine and, and whatnot. I'm not against it, but I try natural remedies first. And I think natural home birth makes sense to me because that's how all the mammals do it. They go hide in the little cocoons or their corners and and then they have their babies there and they stay there, you know, in peace. Uh, so that was my hospital birth. After that, I remember telling my ex-husband when we got pregnant again with our daughter that I am not doing it at the hospital. I know it was covered through my insurance, but I was heavily, constantly looking for a doula. Because the doula was covered through my insurance. So I was trying to do a go through a loophole or something like, you're a doula, you're going to be in the hospital with me. Are you going to tell them to let me birth by myself? Let me just do this on my own. Can you be my guard? And just you talk to me and you talk to the doctors. Like, I don't want them having any influence in what's going on. You're trained. You can see if I really need something. But unfortunately... She said that she was bound by the hospital's procedures. So she couldn't do that. Ultimately, the doctor says they need to intervene. She couldn't say no, even though I wanted her to be that like voice for me. Can I just ask a couple questions? So, yeah. so first of all, was the doula covered because she was associated with the hospital? Yes. Okay. So in your case, you have an HMO and the HMO is also the hospital group. So it, so then they're the ones that are saying like, okay, yeah, you could have a doula from our hospital. Okay. And that's why the doula was bound by the hospital rules. Yes. Yeah. But she was still going to be there for me. Yeah. Until she was going to rob my back, make sure I had liquids and I was okay and talk to me. And and I wanted that, but I, I want I didn't know that I, what I needed was a midwife. And I, I can't say that. I'm sorry, I'm lying. I knew I wanted one, but that wasn't also covered through the insurance. And when I researched midwifery in other hospital groups, it was it they couldn't come to my house. I had to go to a birthing center. And I'm not saying that is wrong. I would have I think I would have gone in that direction if that was covered through my insurance. But I didn't like the fact that they also offered epidurals there and it was still slightly like a hospital. It's like your house, but a hospital in disguise, I felt. Because you think your mind is tricking you to think you're home. You have the bed, you have a tub, but really you're in a hospital. Yes, they are midwives there, but they still have to do the procedures that hospitals follow. I think that's the, I think that's the secret hidden the like the small print text for hospital birth centers is like the all the midwives I know who work in them are excellent. They want to provide excellent care. They're very caring just like me, but the hospital limits their practice. 
And so then they, there's certain things where you can't do this and you can't do that. And you, Veronica, could have around, could have arrived at the big one in our town and there's no nurse or there's no, there's no room. There's all these reasons that they can, or in your case, actually, and we'll get to this, your water had been broken for a while. And so in your case with Alex, it, you probably wouldn't have been birth center eligible, actually. Okay. So I also think that you probably are not going to get the midwife that you've had created a rapport with because for the birthing centers is whoever's on the shift, which is okay. It's still the same kind of culture. They're still going to be very loving, very attentive to what the woman needs, but it's not the person you bonded for months. So I didn't go through with, with even paying more to go through a birthing center. Cause if it looks like my house, why not just do it at my house? And I wanted to be home. <laughs> I didn't want to travel. I didn't want to go anywhere. I wanted to do it. So I told my ex-husband, okay, this is where I'm at right now. I either free birth this child <laughs> or we get someone and we pay for the, the service, which is really not that much. It's very comparable to how much you pay at a hospital if not less. So it would be definitely more affordable still to have a home birth, which honestly is not about the price for me. That was not the point. I'm just talking about this because that was like my thought process with my ex-husband. But we decided to go through a midwife. I did the research. I interviewed many and I called around. I went to meet a few midwives and as soon as I called you, like your communication with me, the way we clicked, you said things that I needed to hear and you cared about me. You were like, we're going to make this work. And I was like, okay, perfect. They, other ones did too, but the beauty about finding a midwife is that you can find somebody that you like, that that you feel like at peace with, that you feel comfortable having in the room with you because believe it or not I my mom is my mom but I would not want her to be in the room while I'm giving birth like as much as I love her like that's a different kind of private situation that I want to do on my own and uh, and with you I felt yes you knew what you knew your craft (laughs) so we met up by 28 weeks you started coming to my house I know that's not usually the case. Okay. So I came to your home because I felt like Billy needed a lot of handholding. And if in order to get Veronica, what she wanted, the only way it was going to happen is if I held Billy's hand a lot and just, and not, not overtly. I felt like I was showing up and just creating some space for him to talk about his experience with the first birth, because you're describing your first birth as though it was fairly straightforward, but, but not what you wanted. Like it wasn't nice. It wasn't comfortable. It wasn't loving. It was like, there's a lot of reasons why you would want something different, but he describes your first birth. Like he really thought you and the baby were going to die. He actually thought you were going to die. And so like when I showed up to your house the first time I got a whole download from him about how scary and how dangerous and why are we doing this? And this is crazy. And I was like, okay, I hear you. But there was something about the way that he was, the way that he was listening. Because a lot of times if a dad is like that, I'm like, I'm not doing this. But I think you were super committed. You were like, if you ain't doing this, I am divorcing you. Very much. That's what happened. Yes. (laughs) And I'm having the baby by myself too, at home without a wife then. (laughs) I was like, I'm just doing this. Yes. You're like, I'm, you said it earlier too. I'm either free birthing. Yes. Or we're having a midwife. Mm-hmm. And if neither of those is happening, I'm divorcing you. Yes. So, but I felt like this glimmer of possibility from him, it was small, but I just felt like he really needed to be reassured a lot. And so that's actually a lot of why I came to your house was because I felt like if I was there, I would get these little opportunities to help him be like, okay, she's okay. She knows what she's doing. And I don't know if he really trusted it by the birth, but, but we can talk about that after a bit. I just to bring it in because his fear was very interesting for me. Yeah, he was very, very worried. And the first time you came all 45 minutes out of the hour, you spent talking to him. And the second time was the same until you were like, okay, 
I think like we've discussed absolutely every question that you've asked. <laughs> Two hours. Let's focus on Veronica now. Because really it should be about the mom. Like we've already, I've asked, I've answered everything. Like, please think about it all you want. But this is going to happen. Your wife already said this is a happening. Okay. So I think it, it turned out to be okay. He was receptive. I think he liked the fact eventually that you brought peace to me and you saw how come I was at home, being able to be home and be part of it. Hours that were convenient for the family, having our son be involved, definitely gave him peace of mind. And he liked that he didn't have to go out of his way to see that I'm okay and the baby's okay. Yeah. And I feel like for many dads, that's the case too, because they're busy. They only want to come back home after a long day of work and they don't, they, it's going to a hospital. It's a hassle. But aside from the fact that it's just a five minute encounter with your doctor, it's still like, you have to go through traffic, go there. And I spent all this time just to see you for five minutes versus at home. It's more, you really do care about what, what I need. What did you eat today? What was your breakfast? Like, what's going to be your dinner? I think you should eat this. And you give suggestions. If you notice, we talked about why I was induced the first time and you gave me a suggestion for some drops to assist with my liver aid I remember you told me like how I can prevent what had happened before it's just yeah, the liver support is a really important way if you had preeclampsia the first time mm -hmm. liver support tincture herbs tea you can look at I have a handout online about it but yeah liver support is one of the best ways to prevent preeclampsia from happening again that's what we did that's yeah. what you did Mm -hmm. But it, it didn't happen. And I also, for him, I remember when we talked to him about, he said, okay, when he finally agreed to doing, to having a midwife come home, he said, all right, we're going to do that. But since you're already covered through your insurance, I still want you to go see your OBGYN just so that it's in record. And, but don't tell, and I don't remember if it was with you that you told me that not to tell them that I'm also having a midwife because then they would be like, no, you can't come and have a birth here with us. Why was that? Now let's talk about that for a moment. Someone who's listening to this hopefully will take Sharp Medical Group to the Insurance Commissioner of California. I'm pretty sure it's illegal. They are an HMO, which means you can't go outside of their services and get anything covered. And they have an, a policy, a written policy that says that they will not continue to provide care for you as a pregnant person or a birthing person. If you seek the care of a home birth midwife, okay. they have a written policy. So if you only have access to that HMO, they have basically cut off your prenatal care. That sounds to me like it should be illegal, especially since you're not mm -hmm. actually in You're not jeopardizing their license. You're not putting them at risk. I think it's just a bias. And yeah, so that's why we told you not to tell Sharp that you were planning a home birth. Yeah. And I didn't because I was like, I want to take advantage of, of if I need to take a blood test, like they would do it for free, like the ultrasounds as well, everything up until the end. When I had Alex, they knew when my due date was. And for some reason, they never called me. <laughs> after I gave birth they never called me to check like hey Veronica did you ever give birth like where are you are you okay and I, I remember thinking about that then I hadn't thought about it in years but they never reached out to see what happened to you I know you you came every month and then every week to make sure you were okay they made me pee in a cup every time they check my belly measurements but they, they really cared they really cared except then suddenly they didn't I know I want to say too, like when you have an HMO, a lot of times you do, people who choose home birth and have an HMO usually continue to see the HMO all the way to the end because labs and ultrasounds, but also, especially in the case of Sharp, where they say they're going to cut off your care. Let's say that we got to the birth and there was an emergency, then we need to be able to go to their hospital for the care that they are supposed to provide. Yes. So it only makes sense that you would have kept seeing them. I know we having a home birth with the midwife, one of the requirements, not really requirements, but on the list of to do's, you have to have a overnight bag for the hospital in case you do need to be transferred to the hospital. But you just trust your midwife. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> she knows if you are like in desperate need of, of actual medical help. 
but having a baby is not an emergency. It's just natural. Okay, so going to my second birth, I always brag about it. I love that I had a baby at home. Somehow people always think that's amazing. I just thought it was normal that I had to do it. That was for me. But people always think that I'm very strong for having done that. And that's empowering. You're like, yeah, I went through that. Yes. <laughs> so my second birth was if I was having a baby for the first time. That's really how it felt to me because I didn't know what was what to expect. The first one was basically stolen from me, I feel like, because it was done by someone else. Like it was induced. I wasn't really in control and I wanted to be in control of this situation. I'm not saying I'm a controlling person. I'm just saying that having a baby, you as a mom should be in control from your instinct. What do you need? And you know what's going on with your body. So this time around, I was like, wow, okay. I went to the bathroom and I felt like my water broke. I was like, oh, okay, different than the first time. I was comparing everything, obviously. <laughs> I was like, this is different. One, it didn't hurt. It wasn't like the previous one that I think it wasn't painful the first time when I was in the hospital, but it felt strong. It was like, oh, okay, my water broke. And I texted you. I texted my midwife right away. I had been, I had already had a bunch of conversations with you about what to look for in the amniotic food. Does it have colors? It's smelly. There's a lot that you discuss. You're not unprepared. Not that I wanted to be super prepared. I just wanted to go with it. I knew that my body would know till the end what to do, but it was nice to kind of have a guideline of, okay, yeah, doesn't smell bad. We're good. It's clear. Let's go. Because those are signs that you look for to see if, like, how you're going to come in. Like, you need to be a little bit extra prepared in certain situations. Is the baby going to have fecal matter? Like, with them? so yes, you're you have to know this thing. So, I told you, and I should have listened to you. You told me, Veronica, based on what you've told me, how about you? You take a nap, try and get some sleep. <laughs> this is going to happen tomorrow because we had talked about a little bit that night. And I was like, no, this is happening. This is happening right now. This is happening tonight. I did not sleep. <laughs> I should have. I didn't sleep all night. I had my ex-husband prepare the bath. We put it downstairs. All night, I was like checking the contractions. They weren't painful. I noted everything down. And then the morning comes and my son was about to wake up. And I'm like, okay, we want to, we got to pack up and do all of this upstairs now. So we packed up, we went upstairs. I was tired, but excited. So wasn't really that bad. We were in contact in the morning. You texted me and around nine, you came home to get, to draw blood, see my white blood count to see if I had any infection or anything everything turned out fine and for some reason I am a very private person even with you my ex anybody so whenever I was having contractions I would pause and wait and try not to show them like because I don't know that's just me but they were happening <laughs> so everybody's different I just didn't want people to worry and I felt like I was fine I know on my next birth because I would like to have another one I know this won't be the case. I'll just feel it and be more like myself. I was suppressing things I shouldn't have. I was suppressing the pain. So I was like, no, it's not that bad. <laughs> I'm good. Maybe there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe that's actually like your technique for labor. I guess so. Sounds it, good to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. You did, you, you did come, you reassured me and you were like, all right, I'll see you later. Let's be in touch. After lunch, for me, it was like around one or two, you uh, you texted me how I was doing. And by that time, I was having more contractions, not as frequently as I had with my first birth when I was induced. This time it felt so manageable. That's why I think that I, when I was hiding the contractions or not showing them, people, not people like my mom, my ex-husband, they're like, oh, she's fine. She's not going to have a baby any minute. She's okay, but no, I was in the, in, in the early stages of labor. I, I wasn't trying to hide that I was going to have a baby. I just really didn't want people to worry. Moving on. B12. 
before we texted each other around 2 p.m., I remember having a very strong contraction. It lasted longer, but I could still manage it. And he said, okay, just let me know. if." And then I think at that point you called me too and you talked to my ex-husband and you told him like, to let you know when it's time. And I think he asked you or me when time was gonna be and, and you said that she's gonna know when it's time. And yes, I knew when it was time. I felt like there was the strongest contraction yet. And after it was done, I was like, text her to come right now. Like she has to come here now. <laughs> it came faster than I thought that you needed to be home. You showed up quickly. Another midwife came with you. She, she was amazing too. Like both of you together, really good combination of support. So you came home. You told him, I think, to start filling up the tub. And by this time it was almost 4 p.m. So between 2.30-ish when we talked originally and 2.40 that I said, please come home. I was having stronger contractions, but not too close together. It was manageable. Yes, I was in pain from time to time. And I wasn't like, I need something now to make this go away. It didn't feel like that at all. We filled up the tub. You said to go in there. I think at that time you thought I was close possibly. And this was around 4 p.m. I went in there and I felt amazing because I was just reading my notes. I did feel amazing and I do remember that. It was so relaxing. I don't remember having a contraction while I was in the water. Maybe I did, but it was so much easier to tolerate it with the warm water in my back. And it was just relaxing. You told me to get out of the water because I think maybe at the time you thought it wasn't happening then. And I did. I listened to, to you and I got out and I was walking around. And it wasn't until an hour later I gave birth. So I went to the bathroom. I remember peeing for a second. And as soon as I got out... I went on my tiptoes, like that was it, like tiptoes. I was standing on my tiptoes. I felt like I was opening up the strongest contraction yet. That was it. And I remember walking toward the tub and I told my ex-husband, here, now I got to get down. I just squatted down. I grabbed the couch. It was the first thing there. And he yelled at you guys. You came upstairs and you didn't even have time to put a glove on. You just, you saw me. It was happening. <laughs> you sat behind me. And all I could think about was ring of fire. Because I had read it somewhere else. And I was like, ring of fire in my head. And it was coming. Like, she was coming. I thought she had already come out because it was that strong of a pain, but not, I was not going to die. I was not going to pass out from it. I just know it was a lot. And I remember screaming a bit and I, all I could hear was you breathing, doing those breathes, breathing techniques and breathe, just breathe. I'm like, no, I need to scream. Like this is <laughs> not supposed to, because you could lose a lot of air and pass out, but it just felt right to scream and it really didn't last long. It was like a couple of minutes and two, three minutes because that's when I squatted down on the floor. As she was coming out, I asked you, is it done? Is she out? <laughs> she said, no. And a couple more pushes later, she came out. It was nice. I loved it. It was perfect because as soon as she came out, I felt no more pain. I just sat down. I grabbed her. I think her hand was wrapped in the cord for a little bit and I could have fixed it, but I was like, oh my God, she just came out. I don't know what to do with her. Should I move her? Is it going to tug on the belly? I didn't want to hurt the baby. So I was just like, and then I saw you move the cord, like nothing. Like, oh, it's okay. All right, great. And I eventually just told me, just let's go to your bed. I laid down in my bed. I think 20 minutes later, you guys high five or set or started laughing because Alex wanted to breastfeed and for some reason, you guys knew that it would happen quickly. And she did, like she did right away. And then we waited for the placenta to come out. And uh, and eventually, because I wanted to wait a while until we cut the cord. And that was one of my wishes were definitely taken into consideration. And that was important for me. So staying in my bed, not having to go anywhere. You guys even cleaned up everything afterwards. My ex-husband was like, what do I do? He said, no, we... 
did everything. All you have to do is throw the towels in the machine and you're good to go. It was such a great experience. We had to do nothing but just give birth, get in the bed. You did everything for me, for the baby. You checked that I was okay. You even asked Marley, does this look okay? Oh yeah, it's probably a tear from before. She doesn't need stitches. Like she didn't tear. Yeah, no one wants to get stitches. It turned out to be fine. And then I remember my ex-husband at the time said, this is awesome. I'm having a beer and she just, (laughs) and she's in bed. What I liked the most, and I thought it was the weirdest, most amazing thing was like you and I had a talk a couple of weeks before I gave birth and you gave me a paper and you said, let's visualize some things. Like, how would you imagine the perfect birth for you? What time do you see a baby coming? This and that. What would be the most ideal situation for you? And I said, I would love to have her during the day so I can go to bed at my normal time. She came at five and I went to bed at 830. I was like, this is amazing. That's awesome. It was. And write it down, Veronica. Do you remember if you wrote it down? We wrote it down. Yes, we wrote it down somewhere. You gave me a paper and I wrote down like what I think the birth's going to look like. This is what I would ultimately like. I One of the things that's in the audio course is to have people actually write down what they want to have happen. Because then you can look, then you can verify, you can look back and you can be like, I said, like you just said, I said, I wanted to get a good night of sleep after. Look at that. Baby was yeah. out. She was out at five, five fifteen. She came out so fast. Yeah. And kids. I know. Yeah. You must have wide pelvis because your kids come out really fast. Once mm-hmm. they get there, they just shoot right on out. Good. Lucky. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Yes. I also really let the next day, like I had a good night's sleep, call it second, second time mom instinct, but my daughter slept a lot that night, like two, three hours. I was like, yeah, let's wake you up and feed. Come on. So we did. She nursed. We slept good. Like she was a sleeper, but I continued to remember like, all right, I know she should eat whenever she wants, but I also had that thing from before, like every two hours, wake him up, wake him up. But no, she's fine. Within a week, she doubled her birth weight. And I just followed my instincts, I feel like, with her from beginning to end. You came the next day after I gave birth. You just checked on us. The following day, too, I think it was the next three days. I didn't have to go anywhere. And I was lucky enough that my mom was there. So she took care of my other son. And I never left my room for a week and a half. It was perfect. That's seriously the best live in the dream to me. And that's how, that's how it should be. It's not supposed to be like only, only the very fortunate get that. Like everyone's supposed to get that at least seven days, but maybe even four weeks of downtime so that other people take care of everything else. And you just take care of yourself and the baby. Yeah. Because you just, then you just have so much more like love in your heart and energy when that time is over to get up and start moving again. I could have the next day gone out and do things, but I liked the suggestion and I took it. I was like, I can do this. After my first son was born, like a few months later, I switched my diet from vegetarian to vegan. So I cut out all animal products whatsoever. And I was like, great. Like my second pregnancy was fully vegan for ethical reasons, nothing really for like my health specifically not that came after but it was more for like ethical reasons and I remember when you saw my placenta and you were dehydrating and you said it was perfect because some vegan placentas you've seen they're webbed differently and this one was like good and tied together properly and you could see the veins and everything it was pretty I, I can't forget that I didn't gain as much waste this second time around I ate more balanced. I was not deficient in anything. So I was like, all right, I'm doing something right. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say you're really like, I was astounded when I came into your kitchen because you'd been preparing food for your postpartum. We could share that as part of the, the visual for this episode. It was amazing how your whole fridge was stocked with like healthy vegan meals. Mm -hmm. And then you actually invited me. I was starving one day. I was so grateful. You were like, Whoa, would you like some of my mushroom pasta? And it was amazing. And I was like, Oh, that's okay. I could go vegan if it tasted like this. Yeah. That's what people always say. I've had very bland vegan foods and it's how you make it. Like just like all food. It's how you make it. 
you were really it. careful of your protein. You're really careful to get enough protein for the pregnancy. And so I, it makes sense that if you were eating, okay, you're not a bagel-tarian, right? You're a vegan. So you're like getting mushrooms and squashes and broccolis and green leafies and tomatoes and carbohydrates and, and plant-based proteins. Of course, all of your, of course, your placenta is going to be super healthy. It was actually, it was pretty yeah, good. Yeah. And your pregnancy and your baby, how big was she? She wasn't big. She was small, like six pounds, six, 21 inches. I think she was. Yeah. She was long. Same as my son. Long. She was long. Especially for a six pounder. My kids were both born small, but then grow super fast. <laughs> yeah. They have a good metabolism. But one of the things you also mentioned, the fact that I had so much food in the freezer ready to go was because we talked about like, how can I make possible me staying in my room for a couple of weeks and not worry about food or anything? I planned that out properly. So it worked out. I know not everybody can, but you have nine months to figure that out. <clears throat> the past two, three weeks before I gave birth, any meal, I made a little extra and froze it. And I put a name on it. Oh. And I was like, this is what I'm going to easy. Just thaw it out and I'll eat it. Perfect. Your freezer was amazing looking. Just <laughs> perfectly organized. Tons and tons of colors. Wow. Yeah. No read. Yes, I know. Wrote every single detail of the birth. I had everything organized, yeah. but it was nice. I want to do it again. I remember after giving birth, I told you like I wanted to have a water birth and it didn't happen. So we have to try again. So now with my boyfriend, we're planning on having a home birth eventually. And of course you're coming and you're going to be our midwife. And we'll be sure I won't get you out. Of, I won't suggest that you get out of the tub this time. I'll be like, just stay in the tub. <laughs> it could be 15 more hours, but definitely just stay in the tub. Will you describe for me, because as I imagine, like I always wanted to give birth, right? I wanted to be a mom. What is it like when you first receive your brand new baby? It's like all that pain that you just felt that coming out pain, it just disappears and you feel like a weird kind of joy, but in an amazing sense. Wow. She's here. She looks good. It's healthy. You're just like, this is it. Yeah. And all you want to do is stay there. Not leave that moment. It's peace. I wonder if I wonder if I need to slow down more then. If you're if that's your impression, if you're like, I would have just stayed there if you hadn't told me to go to the bed. I wonder if I need to slow down a little bit more and just wait for the woman to say, Oh, I think I want to move now. Maybe a little. If I wanted to move, but maybe you knowing what could happen or what needed to happen, I had to go. I don't know. I don't remember specifically. I, I remember that it was a little bit tight. And so maybe it was just so that we could monitor you better. Or maybe it was so that we could, I thought you'd be more comfortable. Yeah. But it wasn't that, that, that fast, but I just like thinking about it now, I could have stayed there a little longer. It was a tight spot. Baby came when it wanted to come and now where I wanted her to. Weren't you like right next to the tub? I was in between the tub and the couch. There was really no space. <laughs> I also remember I didn't bleed much. You didn't have to clean up. Like you were like, there's no, what? Like mm. maybe a few drops and good. I'm glad about that. I know it, that's just one of those little bonuses. We don't expect it, but it's a little bonus. I wouldn't change it much next time. Maybe I'll try and do more with the baby when it comes out. Like move the cord and situate her better. Cause it's so gentle. She's so fragile. You're like, oh my God. <laughs> and all soft. You don't want to do too much, but now I know it's fine. You can move her around. Yeah. I think the more babies you have, the more you're like, oh wait, they're actually made out of rubber. Yeah, they're, like, fine. <laughs> they're fine. Is there anything else that you like, you're like, okay, last message to all the moms out there. Is there anything you want to say? Just trust your body. Because when I was giving birth, like when my home birth baby was coming out, I did nothing. I was just like a vessel for it to happen. I was breathing through the pain or more like screaming. Yes. Okay. But it wasn't bad, but my body knew what to do. It was an instinctual thing. I trusted my body. It just happened. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> come back, come here, come to my okay. house. Thank you oh, for having okay. me podcast. Oh, thank you for it being was, here. It was nice to say the stories again. It's so fun for me to get to hear the story from your perspective, like to hear the whole sequence is so cool. It's 
beautiful. Thank you. Nice talking to you. Thank you. I'm going to go out there today and enjoy this. Okay. okay. Bye, honey. Bye. Bye. I hope you got a lot out of Veronica's story. One of the things that you might be interested to share with your partner if you're a birth giving person is Veronica's ex-husband's testimony to what it was like for him. You can find that on the Sea Midwives YouTube channel. He had a really averse reaction to having a home birth, to having midwifery care, and then afterwards, as usual, he became home birth's greatest advocate. And you can hear that testimony on the Sea uh, Midwives YouTube. All right, folks, if you are having your first listen to this podcast, go back and listen to the other episodes. Every one of them is filled with this inspiring light of these families who had births that they were very unhappy with that made them feel terrible. And then they sought midwifery care and got a birth that they loved and share that with your friends, share that with your family, share the podcast, because currently in the United States, the, the leading idea is that birth is really painful. You need a doctor. Birth is really dangerous. Like there's all this fear about it. And in reality, for the clients that I work with as a midwife and the, the clients of other midwives whose stories I get to hear, they love the care. They love their birth experiences. And that's not to say that birth isn't hard. <laughs> like we're not changing that. But for most people, it's not so hard that you can't do it. But that's the story we've been told in this country for two generations. And so your mom thinks that and your grandma thinks that. But before that, people always thought that that's just what you did. You just give birth. <laughs> so I'm part of this movement. Many, many doulas and midwives are on this movement. Many of you parents are on this movement right now to bringing birth back to the family where it belongs. So that's my little pedestal for today. If you are interested in joining me in this movement, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok and you can DM me. I'm just a person out here making these for the betterment of the families, because I believe this makes a huge difference in the tra trajectory of a family. Always remember to keep good care of yourself. You are actually really important to yourself, to the people you interact with, to the ground you walk on. Thank you for all your hard work in the world. I see what you're up to and I very much appreciate all you give. Be sure you take breaks and honor yourself. And I'll see you in the next episode of A Better Next Birth.